All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk, live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Uh, so I, I think someone took my Warren Fogle for Gustav Nyquist trade idea to heart with his performance last night. Let's get into it. Another win for the Oilers. It's time for the lead. We are streaming live on the Nation Network YouTube, as well as on Oilers Nation Twitter and Facebook. Daniel Shipley's the first one in with a comment on the Oilers Nation Everyday chat line. And he says, so are we still trading Warren Fogle? Yeah, Warren Fogle, what a performance. I mean, they put him back in the lineup. They take out Yesa Pugliarvi and Jay Woodcroft just knew how to push all the right buttons last night a big win for the Edmonton Oilers and Warren Fogle yes was a very big part of it welcome into the show everybody live from the sports closet studio sportscloset.ca you need Super Bowl gear you just want to gear up for the stretch drive for the Edmonton Oilers they got it all three locations in the Edmonton area and online sportscloset.ca another dub for your Edmonton Oilers make it eight consecutive games without or with at least a point pretty good and listen I get it it's a weak part of the schedule. You look back at who they've played over the last couple of weeks. They've beaten or they've played four straight non-playoff teams. I get it. I get it. But there were impressive wins. They beat Seattle. They beat Tampa. They beat Vegas. This is a really good stretch for the Edmonton Oilers. Dare I say a season-saving stretch. And not just something that's kept them in the mix in terms of the playoff picture. But like I teased yesterday, it's giving them a shot 
at the top spot in the division. It was an exciting 5-2 victory for the Edmonton Oilers, and there were a lot of positives from that hockey game. So, as we do after every Oilers game, it feels good to have a game to discuss and to break down. Let's do our three big things brought to you by Montana's. It is Wednesday. Their lineup of daily deals, which you can check out at montanas.ca. All you can eat ribs on a Wednesday. It's fantastic. They also have daily drink deals. There you go. All you can eat ribs. Oh, those look good. And most of you would probably have more than one rack, which I did not do when I enjoyed them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Also, we are giving away a $50 GC over on our Instagram and Twitter. So you can head over, find that post on our Insta and Twitter. Maybe win yourself a $50 gift card. That can go a long ways. That would definitely cover an order of all you can eat ribs as well. And you get a couple drinks. It's good living at Montana's. Uh, Liam is around riding shotgun today as well. Liam, our three big things from last night's hockey game. Number one for me, it was a spirited affair. And that was encouraging Mm -hmm. because it showed the Oilers are not, you know, just sleepwalking their way into the second half. They didn't lose any momentum, Liam. They are just straight up ready to go. And they showed it with their Maybe not play between the whistles last night because it was sloppy at points, but their play after the whistles showed that they're still ready to fight for each other. Yeah, there was definitely rusty moments to say the least in, in parts yeah. of that game. But I think overall, like it was, it was fairly well well played by the Oilers, and like you said, like very well spirited. They did not back down to anything; like they were just ready to go. And that's the mentality, guys. Like Clem Costin, Vinny Dehaney, and Evander Kane are now bringing into this lineup, and now they're in mm-hmm. the lineup, like. I think it's bringing more juice to everyone. Like Brett Kulak dropped the gloves again last night, right? I know they didn't really go for anything, but you bet when Detroit is in town next week, something might happen there too. So it's just good to see the Oilers aren't just rolling over anymore and letting other teams walk all over them. They are, they're the ones rolling over people now. Yeah. And I mean, there was a lot of guys getting involved. You mentioned Kulak at the end of the game. Vinny DeHarnay Mm -hmm. was definitely mixing it up, but I wanted to draw some attention to Evander Kane. We got an early comment from, uh, from Sergeant Battle who says Kane's no fighting doctor's note has definitely expired. Love seeing the boys fired up. They saw flames versus Rangers and said, hold our beer. Aaron, let's run the clip of the play first. Cause this one really had Evander Kane pissed off. And I mean, it was Tyler Bertuzzi who is one of those guys who's, you know, he's known as a bit of a you-know-what disturber on the ice. And he, as Aaron pointed out, like he breaks his stick punching Evander Kane in the face. That is a hell of a shot. And I didn't think like the officiating was poor last night. The Oilers got a lot of power play looks. There were a lot of power plays back and forth in that game. But this game was teetering on getting out of hand at many different points. And Liam, you were the one who pointed this out. So I'll let you kind of walk us into it. Evander Kane after the game had some interesting stuff to say. Yeah, he basically said that uh, some players in this league are getting protected by the refs. And I think he was directly referring to Tyler Bertuzzi. And when you look at that clip, Bertuzzi definitely punches him in the face and then skates away. So that's quite interesting. And just on the comments, someone saying that uh, Kane's doctor's know is expired. I think it's expired in Evander Kane's eyes. I don't think it's expired in the medical staff's eyes. If you look last night, I tweeted that like, oh, it must be over. And and Gregor said, actually, no, he's been strongly advised not to do it. But I guess when you're in that situation, you're just you're just punching someone in the face if they do that to you, right? So yeah. it's what it is. As long as he can keep going, who cares? Here's what Evander Kane said after the game. Baldman. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, today's NHL. There's a lot of guys that uh, that uh, feel they can get in there, and um, the referees bail them out a lot. So uh, it was a bit of a chippy, uh, slimy game. Uh, 
you know, start of the second period, and um, you know, we got some guys on our team that uh, don't mind answering the bell, um, so we can uh, we feel very confident and uh, comfortable in those type of games. That's a good thing. Remember that game against Tampa? Then that one really got chippy and back mm -hmm. and forth. I like that the Oilers showed once again. This team is coming together. This team is not afraid to stand up for one another. Dangerous Wade with a good comment. Considering Bertuzzi hates shots, surprised he took that cheap one. <laughs> that's a good one from Dangerous Wade. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Tyler Mulek said that's his game. That's his style. He isn't going to just change. 100%. And Evander Kane showing uh, exactly why he's a valued part of this Edmonton Oilers lineup. Uh, number two for my three big things brought to you by Montana's Liam Depth Scoring saves mm -hmm. the day the Oilers were not moving in a good direction early in that hockey game I mean actually I shouldn't even say that the first four minutes was basically exclusively spent in the Red Wings end the Oilers had him pinned in only got three shots out of it and then from there everything really fell apart but Ryan McLeod Warren Fogle score two goals in 30 some seconds gives the Oilers a spark Fogle pretty quickly after what was it eight minutes after nine minutes after scores his second of the game as well. Depth scoring is the reason this team won that hockey game. And I think if you were to look at this Oilers team and kind of, if you were to look at it from an outsider's perspective, if you were one of the other 15 teams in the Western Conference, if you're watching the Oilers depth scoring really get going, that's frightening. Because you know McDavid and Drysaddle are going to get theirs. But if the Oilers bottom six starts putting up offense like they did last night, man, that's scary. Yeah, and honestly, you, you said it saved them last night. Is it, It's kind of been the story of this little streak they've been on, right? Like the depth scoring has, has showed up more often than not. Derek Ryan, uh, Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogel, whoever it's been, is they've all chipped in. Clem Shady, of course. So, yeah, it's been a massive part of what the success has been. And when you look at what was going wrong for the Oilers at the start of the season, it was Jack Campbell wasn't playing well and they had no depth scoring. Now when you look at it, they have depth scoring and Jack Campbell's playing well. So it's just like everything's kind of clicking for them right now with like the perfect time. And hopefully the momentum can just keep going throughout this next 31 games, I think it is. Obviously, they're not going to win 31 in a row. But there was a point in this earlier on, like maybe a month ago, right, where we were like, are they going to win 23 games to get into the playoffs? Like now it seems like that's almost locked in to me. Well, yeah, I remember, I mean, uh, you're right. A few weeks ago, we were doing the whole like, all right, what well, I should say a month ago, like all oh, mm -hmm. the math for them to get in, the math for them to get in. It's so tough. They had to win so many games. A stretch of eight, one and one, we got a joke, is what they would need to kind of make the yeah. math work out a little bit. And now you look at it. I'm going to attempt to do some math on the fly here. They need to get to the 100 point mark. They need 38 points. They have 31 games to go. So to get to 38, you need to win 19 games. All of a sudden, going 19 and 12 is like not the craziest ask at all when you consider how well this team is rolling. And that wouldn't just get them into the playoffs. That would get them to the 100-point mark, which might be enough to get you home ice advantage in round one of the playoffs. I don't think it'd be enough to win the division. So you're probably looking at having to go like, 21 and 10 i think if you want to win the division that'd give you 44 points and would put you up to 106 on the season so i think you probably need to go something like 21 and 10 in your final 31 if you want to win the division but 19 wins would easily be enough to get you into the playoffs at this point especially when you consider just how tight the conference is and i think that playoff cut line is going to be a little bit less 
than it was last season. But the Oilers are looking great. Mm-hmm. They lead the Pacific Division in point or in goal differential as well. And if you want to talk about another really encouraging number with this Oilers team, they are now standing alone second in the NHL in regulation wins by points percentage. They are creeping right into the top 10. They're just a hair behind Vegas for 10th. So looking really good. Uh, someone in the chat was wondering, is my third big thing from last night's game going to be Broberg or is it going to be Jack Campbell? And I, I'm on the fence with this one. Philip Broberg played great. A couple of assists looked really good. You mm-hmm. wonder how, I mean, his play, let's talk about Vinny DeHarnay for a second and him continuing to instill a nice, mean physical presence onto this blue line. Both those guys are important could have a bit of an impact as to how the Oilers shape their deadline plans. But I'll give my third big thing to Jack Campbell, who stepped up with a 938 save percentage. Liam, one of his best performances as an Edmonton Oiler this season. I'm just going to quickly sort by points percentage this year. In terms of games that he started, that was his fourth best. uh, That was his fourth best performance of the year. So a really good night from Campbell. Was was his best that... 2-0 2-0 loss to St. Louis by chance. I'm just curious. His best, his best was the win against San Jose when he stopped 25 at 26. His second best was the one against St. Louis you're talking about. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, last night, I think, you know what? The thing with Campbell now is, is, I think just for everyone, the confidence is back with him, with himself, and mm-hmm. I think the fan base and the players around him. And also, like, when he has to make those big saves, he's shown up for them. And granted, I don't think the others are giving up as many big chances as they maybe were a couple of months ago, too. But, yeah, just yep. overall, the confidence in Jack Campbell is is sky high. And now it leads to the question of, like, is he now the Oilers number one? Like, do they just have a 1A, 1B? It's like, if the playoffs start tomorrow, like, who are you starting, right? Like, it's, it's a really good argument to have and, like, a, a tough decision for Woodcroft, which is exactly what you want in a goaltending tandem. Like, you pay Jack Campbell a lot of money, and now he's living up to his paycheck, I think it's fair to say. Up to an 889 save percentage on the year. I don't think he'll ever have enough to get back to 900 this year, but regardless, Mm -hmm. we kind of said, you know, we're going to judge Jack Campbell based on this second half of the season as a show, and that's been going great. I'm just pulling up where he ranks since the start of January in terms of his numbers compared to his peers. And I mean, it's it's really encouraging to see the way this guy has just totally flipped his season around. I like the comment from Ron Falk in the chat who says, Campbell settling into his former form. Nothing against Broberg. He's great. But this team needs Jack at the top of his game. In terms of save percentage since January 1, 916. That is tied with Igor Shesterkin for 12th in the NHL amongst goalies with at least six games played and his goals against average a little bit lower than that. No, sorry, a little bit higher than that. He's sixth in the NHL with a 224 goals against average. So really good. Other uh, big storylines from that game as we move out of our three big things brought to you by Montana's. Uh, Someone was talking about the penalty kill. Yeah, the PK was awesome. Uh, Eric says CeCe's most redeeming quality is throwing the puck down the ice on the PK. So a bit of a shot at CeCe, but you need guys who can do that. So I'm going to take that little backhanded compliment to Cody CeCe. The PK went five for five last night. A big reason why the Oilers were not only able to win, but cover the puck line as well. Um, So the PK was awesome. And there was another thing that had Twitter kind of fired up early on, and it was that first goal against by the Red Wings. I'll give Aaron a second to, uh, oh, wow, Aaron, you are quick today with uh, with the clips. Let's watch this first goal here because people were kind of jumping down Darnell Nurse's throat for just a second. And 
I don't know if I necessarily agree with that at all. Like, we'll run it a few times here, Aaron, because it just drove me nuts how quickly people wanted to attack Darnell Nurse for this. He picks up the puck there right at the beginning of the clip and he throws it up the boards to a spot where there should probably be a winger. Like there should be someone there ready to receive a puck or at least be able to knock it down and get in the way of the Red Wings. There wasn't. So Nurse gets into a bit of trouble jumping onto a loose puck, granted wrong side of the ice, but all three forwards are just at the top of the zone here. No one's covering the guy on the far side. In fact, that's Evander Kane, a guy who on that shift was playing right wing as the last guy back covering a scoring chance on the left side of the ice. Like, that can't be happening. I, I just, listen, I don't need to rag on McDavid and Drysaddle in the D zone because they're having great seasons and there's no need to be negative about them, really. But if people really want to attack Darnell Nurse for that goal, Nurse actually got back into the play, I think, pretty well. It was the rest of the D zone coverage that was just absolutely brutal, in my opinion. I didn't agree, like... Okay, Nurse maybe could have gotten it off the glass and out a little bit harder, not turn over that puck, whatever. But there was a handful of other things that went wrong in that play, Liam. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, some, you got to show support to your defense when you're in that situation. Yeah. And it's just about playing team defense. How many times this season have we seen those kind of plays in the other's D zone, right? So it's something that they've, they've got to clean up, but it, it goes to your kind of point of like maybe adding more defensive forwards can help this team out in that as aspect and like maybe just in practice and stuff like that if you have a guy like i don't know let's just say jonathan taves who's talking about like what it's got what you got to do in that zone i'm sure that helps in one way or another but yeah overall like just got to be better in that situation especially when it's the top guys on the ice yeah it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, our guy Frank Cervalli is ready to go. His appearances on the show are brought to you by Star Mechanical. It's one of Edmonton's top new home plumbing installers for the last 20 years. They have over 50 plumbers and gas fitters on staff, 35 of which are Red Seal journeymen. Look at that. Those trucks, you see them cruising around Edmonton all the time. You can call that number if you need 24-7 emergency service, 780-481-8873, or check them out online, starmechanical.ca. Frank Cervalli, 
less than a month to go until the trade deadline, but you don't care about that. You care that we're about five days away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, I do. Uh, just trying to get my life in order. Uh, heading out to Arizona on Friday evening and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, got the last minute invite and call. A couple uh, free tickets landed in our lap. And as much as our schedule is jammed with trade deadline, I don't think you can say no to that. Yeah, I think saying no to free Super Bowl tickets when it's your team in the Super Bowl, I don't think anyone's going to fault you if uh, the work slows down a little bit. What do you think your Eagles chances, though? You like it? Uh, yeah, I would take the Eagles. Uh, the points are not scary. Uh, one and a half is the current line, even though Patrick Mahomes is a little bit healthier. Andy Reid was saying today that he can play just about every play in the playbook. Um, that's a little bit daunting, and I'm a little concerned about the Chiefs' big game mojo. Like They've been there. They have that experience. But at the same time, I think when you look on paper, this Eagles roster, their weapons – uh, their defense, all those things are superior, and I'm hoping that, that uh, that's the difference. I know you're a guy who doesn't rock a lot of apparel or anything like that, but what's the outfit going to be for Frank Saravalli watching his Eagles at the Super Bowl? Okay, I'm glad you asked because I don't have a lot of team apparel of anything, and I actually had to go to the, the store, uh, our local version of Sports Closet, and, uh, and and go check it out. Uh, yesterday, I got a, a Super Bowl hoodie with an Eagles logo on it and a, a little zip up, and I think I should be good to go. Good stuff. I like the fan side of Frank Saravalli coming out a little bit. Uh, Oilers trying. fans are fired up today. Yeah, you're trying. Uh, it's the Nation Network effect on you a little bit. Um, Oilers fans are fired up. This team is 8-1-1 in their last 10. And listen, I know they've beaten, I said this earlier, like they've beaten some bad teams in this stretch. That's obvious. But there are some really Doesn't encouraging matter. signs in this thing, including the depth scoring coming alive last night. Like this team is actually looking kind of like what preseason expectations were. Yeah, and I, I think that has caused a serious, I don't want to say change of heart, but maybe change of direction within their front office, I think. I, I, I We've talked about this before, about the patience that Ken Holland has. I think a lot of people were antsy. I think a lot of people maybe within the walls of their offices were antsy back in December and early January, thinking that they needed a real shot in the arm and a boost. They needed to bulk things up defensively and, and really get better. I'm not saying they won't make an upgrade, uh, I think they'll probably make at least one trade. I don't know how significant it'll be. Um, but I think they're in a spot where we talked to Connor McDavid at All-Star Weekend about that turning point, and it's kind of uncanny what it's been like since then. He was saying it wasn't you know, the lack of, of scoring that they had in that loss in L.A. at Crypto.com Arena where they allowed four shorthanded goals. Um or four goals on the penalty kill. And they were in a spot where he felt like their even strength game had really improved. And you see the depth scoring that you mentioned. You see, I don't know, Broberg continue to play as well as he has. Like those are all really positive trends. And you made that comment about um, they've, they've beaten some really bad teams. And that's actually going to be the story of their second half and how well they do because they play a lot of bad teams down the stretch. And if you're able to take advantage of those games in your division games, the Oilers winning the division is squarely within their sights. I gave the hot take yesterday on the show that I think by next Monday, 
they could be in the top spot in the division. And like, it's just not that much of a stretch because of how tight the Pacific is. You have Seattle lose last night. Now, all of a sudden, Edmonton's only a point back of the top spot. But I do also think it's worth mentioning the difference between first and fifth in this division right now is only a six point gap. Like the Pacific is going to be absolutely crazy. And you're right. Oilers, if you're beating a bad team, two points is two points at this point. So I think that's uh, that's really well put. I want to ask you about another guy on the blue line because you mentioned Broberg and he was great last night. But the chat line was also loving what a guy like Vinny DeHarnay continues to bring to the lineup. He picked up an apple. He was fighting two Red Wings at once at one point. This guy has just slid in and given this Oilers blue line seemingly exactly what they need. And he's probably not just one of the better stories in this organization, but probably in the entire league when you look at his age and him debuting and everything that went into it. Yeah, it's it's really quite a story that's developed in Edmonton with DeHarnay. And, um, you know, it's interesting that the impact that he's had, I don't know how much of it is coincidence. Like, it feels like anytime he's been in the lineup, the Oilers don't lose. Uh, his record, I, I'd have to look up what the wins and losses are. It's, it's probably pretty amazing. Um, but I think also there's probably a fair bit of, of credit due um, not just to Vinny DeHarnay and the work that he's done to get himself to this point. Um, but also when you look at, yeah, he was drafted by a different regime in Edmonton in 2016. But probably one of the big reasons he's still here is Ken Holland really values size on the back end. And at 6'6", you know, he has this debate internally all the time. Um, it's not quite to the level of, speaking of the Eagles, Chip Kelly back when he was in Philly, he would say, big people beat up little people. And I actually, the, the slogan in, um, in the Oilers front office is, you know, look what happens to shrubs in the playoffs. Trees are the ones that survive. And that's a big sort of mantra for them. And it's also one less piece that the Oilers have to go out and try and find when it comes to their blue line. So uh, Vinny DeHardain, nine games in the lineup. His record uh, has eight, to oh, and be one. pretty – Yeah, 8-0-1. Oh, so there you go. It's uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, it is quite something, and it's led to a conversation about what do the Oilers even need to add onto this blue line. Early in the season, in the offseason, a lot of talk about Jacob Chicker, and it died down for a little bit, and now, weirdly, over the last couple of weeks, it's come back, and everyone in the comments wants to chat about Jacob Chikrin. Jay was yelling at me yesterday about Jacob Chikrin. A lot of smoke. Do you get the sense there's any fire here? Like, Is this an actual fit that you could see happening? By the way, to just put a bow on the DeHarnay conversation, uh, the Oilers did receive a bunch of calls from other teams about him last summer that they were trying to just see if he actually mattered in Edmonton's system. And the Oilers rebuffed those, so obviously that's worked out well. Hmm. Um, with regards to Jacob Chikrin, I think he's someone obviously that they've discussed internally. And I would say my read on the situation while there there's been increased smoke there is that the asset cost is so significant for this team that I don't know that anyone's looking at him right now as someone that uh, will put this team over the top. They've played really well. They have a good team. Um, if he was a number one defenseman or probably a number two, I think you, you go out and you're willing to pay the price. 
But I think there's so many teams out there that are in a position where they say, we, we like the contract, we like the player, but we think he's somewhere between a number two and a number three. And that's such a steep price to pay. A lot of it based on the surplus value that was in that contract that is also really going to dissipate a lot once the cap goes up. So um, is there a level of intrigue, I would say? Probably fair. But is it something that I see materializing over the next 23 days? I, I'm hard-pressed to believe that. And, and frankly, I'm hard-pressed to believe at this point right now that the Oilers are going to be super active and, and pull off something big um, just the way I see it at the moment. How comfortable would the Coyotes be holding on to Chikrin into this summer? Liam and I were talking about it yesterday where, you know, Liam made the point of, hey, they, they haven't gotten what they want yet. And he's been on the block for like a full calendar year. But because he has term, I kind of sit there and go, why wouldn't they at least wait until the offseason to see if a team gets desperate at the draft or something? Do you get the sense that they're just really not going to budge off this asking price between now and the deadline? I think that would be a really tough way to manage your assets because then after the player's already made the request, after he's come in and delivered with the play um, and his point production has been there, his mobility has been there. Uh, he really worked to, to come back from the injuries that he had, two significant ones. Um, I think that really begins to damage your organization in the sense that You've been talking about moving the player. The player wants to be moved and he's played well. That means that if he's not traded, it's because your ask and what you're looking for in the return is unreasonable. So I I don't think that it's going to linger into the summer. And I think if it does, um, you know, you have to find a way to move on in the summer. He can't come back and play for your team next season. Um to me, it's it's kind of one of those spots where they have to rip the Band-Aid off at some point or another. And my guess is that at some point over these next 23 days, something will materialize. And it, it either involves one team blinking to, stay, uh, to pay up the, and pay the price or the Coyotes blinking and changing their ask just a little bit and being a little bit uh, more flexible, I should say. Frank Saravalli joining the show for our friends at Star Mechanical. Uh, there's another player who's popped up recently that I am just wildly intrigued by because even though he's hurt and out for the season, he's staying on your trade board, and that's Gustav Nyquist. What's the word on Nyquist? Is this a guy who, like, is the injury just enough to keep him out for the regular season and he could jump in round one of the playoffs? Do you have any insight there? Free asset. That's what Gustav Nyquist is. And not saying the Blue Jackets are going to trade him for nothing, but the expectation is from a cap perspective, he will end up being totally free uh, because he's not expected to come back for the regular season, but is in a window where he could potentially be healthy for the first round of the playoffs. And therefore, in an odd way, I think his value has actually increased on the market and probably increased the likelihood of a trade because a team doesn't have to worry about fitting him in under the cap. He can go immediately to LTIR once he arrives there and then uh, be activated in the playoffs for no salary cap cost. So um, I think he's a pretty decent facilitator. Uh, his numbers have actually been pretty decent this year. And we did a deep dive earlier as part of our deadline countdown series on Gustav Nyquist. And I think you put him in the right situation on a third line and, and give him space. Um, He's someone that could really add to your team and also a pretty decent playoff performer uh, as well. A few deadlines ago, he went to the San Jose Sharks 
uh, put up a half point per game in their playoff run and was a big reason why they reached the Western Conference Final. The idea I threw out the other day from an Oilers perspective was, and again, I don't know anything about what the ask could potentially be for a guy like Nyquist, but if you're the Oilers and you could do something along the lines of like a Warren Fogel for Gustav Nyquist swap, and maybe you add a pick in there, that's almost a double whammy for Edmonton where you're going to get some forward depth come playoff time, but you're also going to fully shed yourself of $2.75 million at the deadline which you could then use in another deal to get a defenseman, to get a centerman or something like that, like a, almost a bit of a double whammy there that would make sense for Edmonton. Yeah, I could see it making sense for Edmonton. I'm not sure why that would be enticing for Columbus, but I understand your point. Yeah, throwing a pick. Always throwing a pick, right? That's the easiest thing for an armchair GM to say. Uh, wrapping up with just a quick look around the league, your deadline countdown today, dailyfaceoff.com. And for the people watching who don't know, Every single day, dailyfaceoff.com, Frank has a new deadline-themed story up on the site. Today, it is John Klingberg. Frank, what's the market like on John Klingberg? Because we joked today on DFO Live, or at least I made the joke today on DFO Live, that he's almost like the Taylor Hall situation a couple years ago where he signs the one-year deal, they're looking to flip him quickly, and then he just falls flat on his face for the first four months of the season and his value falls off. Yeah, I actually don't think you're far off. I would say the value is probably for Taylor Hall. It was better than what it will be for John Klingberg. As you see, he checks in at number 10 on our trade targets board. And he's someone that his play has really declined in such a significant way. He struggles defensively. His point production hasn't been there. Um, he has, I think, one goal and three assists on the power play this year in Anaheim. Uh, maybe his time has been a little bit limited because of some of the other puck movers that they have, such as Fowler and Shattenkirk. But the defensive limitations are real. He's declined, and it's not just this season, but the last couple seasons in Dallas, which is why he's not there anymore. They weren't willing to commit the term in dollars. It's why he lingered for 16 days on the open market after free agency opened last July 13th. So there's probably a mental component there that I would say – you know, you wanted that long-term deal. You wanted to stay in Dallas. You didn't get it. You sign up in Anaheim knowing that you're going to be traded all season long. Maybe that pressure has weight on him. Nonetheless, I still think he's probably somewhere uh, in the second to third round pick range. Um, so not an exorbitant asset cost, or at least it shouldn't be. And if he's getting a second round pick, I would argue based on having watched every shift that John Klingberg has taken this season, that it would be on name and reputation. And so uh, perhaps teams are, are ready to see through that. And Anaheim is not going to be able to essentially buy a first-round pick, which is what they thought they were going to be doing when they signed Klingberg to that $7 million contract in the summer. There's that complicating factor of only so many teams, Tyler, can afford John Klingberg at even half price that you'd probably have to run that contract through a third-party broker, which we've outlined in detail on dailyfaceoff.com, that then the asset cost just goes up. It's a second plus a fifth or a third plus a fifth, and that becomes pretty expensive for a guy that has real limitations. So the teams I mentioned, Seattle, Calgary, the New York Islanders, you need to put them on your first unit power play, so a power play that struggles, and you also need to pair him with a defender who can help cover up some of his limitations. Interesting stuff as always, Frank. A third-party 
broker, uh, the term sweetener, dollar in, dollar out, just some of my favorite deadline buzzwords. Look forward to chatting with you again next Wednesday and safe travels. You enjoy that Super Bowl. I'm excited for you to send me some pictures of everything you get up to there. Yeah, it could be a lot. We'll see. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks, Tyler. There you go. Frank Servali for our friends at Star Mechanical. Check them out online, starmechanical.ca. You guys are fired up in the chat. Tyler Mulek is calling Liam drunk for talking. I don't know. You guys are talking about like first round picks and stuff. I was too into my conversation with Frank. I wasn't keeping up with the chat that much, but I see it's now just once again for the second straight show turned into a massive fight about Jacob Chikrin. So you guys have fun doing that. I I don't really want to get into it again today. So we're just going to keep moving along with today's show. Liam, were you having fun there? Oh, sorry. Right as you take a drink of water. That's okay. I was muted as well. So it gave me some time. Yeah, it was it was a great time in the chat. Guitar Maniac came in and caused a lot of chaos. I built up the chaos and just let it ride. I asked who the last player to get traded for two first round picks was. Turns out he's Brandon Hagel. Forgot all about that. So there you go. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if you were in the office the day. It was like early last season when there was some Pooley RV trade talk. Or Pooley RV was playing well and it was like, oh, do you sell high on his value? And I was like, I tweeted. I said, who says no for if the Oilers offered the Hawks Pooley RV for Brandon Hagel? And I got murdered on Twitter. Their replies <laughs> oh, were like, yeah. who is that guy? I can't believe there's a player named Bagel. You're an idiot. You're M. Chuck. Why would the Oilers do that? What a terrible trade. And now we're at a point a year later where Hagel got two first round picks and is playing for a team that went to the Stanley Cup finals last year, is on a great contract, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And the Oilers might have to attach a pick to Pugliarvi because he keeps getting healthy scratched. So it just goes to show that sometimes what you see in front of you with your favorite team, the value of certain players is, uh, it's not exactly how the other 31 teams feel, you know? Mm -hmm. My my closing argument on the Hagel thing, even though it's not an argument, isn't his contract like 1.5 million for the next two years or something like that? Like, isn't yeah, his contract dirty. so low? That's why he was traded for two first round picks, right? It wasn't based off the talent. It was based off the fact that Tampa Bay now has a guy for 1.5 million for three years. And what they attached yeah. Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk or whatever his name is, right? Yeah, people were calling them prospects. When, Those were not no, prospects. Not. Those were just dudes. Borderline AHL players and NHL players and top end AHL players. That's who they are. They, they were to, to add some contracts. But either way, my point is I'm still not trading two first round picks for Jacob Sikrin. No matter what everybody in the world tells me, he is not necessary for this team. They have literally the exact same players that he is like what he's good at. They already have. So there you go. Goodbye, Jacob Chicken uh, until tomorrow. Yeah. Lance also says Tyler loves to pump his own tires. To be fair, I also said at the moment that while I'd think about it, I wasn't sure if I'd pull the trigger on it. So I'm also in the wrong here. Um, you know, it just it's one of those things. I don't know. Hindsight is always whatever. Someone in the chat is comparing Chikrin to Kawhi Leonard. That is just like Kawhi Leonard was <laughs> one of there you go. See, Liam's the basketball fan. That that reaction is all you need to know about that comment and that comparison. Like, not even close. <laughs> like, Chickering's a second-pair D-man. Kawhi Leonard's a superstar. Hall of Famer. One of the best basketball players to ever play. Yeah. But you're right. Maybe he is Jacob Chickering. Hopefully. If the Oilers trade two first-round picks for him, I would hope so. 
Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Maybe <laughs> I guess you're hope. I guess you're hoping that he has a Kawhi Leonard type impact on the Oilers, but even that just feels weird to even say. Uh, let's get into our Betway betting segment of the day, Liam. Yesterday, I was the only one who got my Oilers pick right. It feels good. It was nice to get a win. You and Jay ch- cho- chased the juice a little bit. Easy for me to say. Um, yeah. Anyways. What do you got tonight? We don't keep track of our non-NHL picks. That's just a fun game day thing we're doing. Uh, but I'm with you on this Rangers bet. I love it. Yeah, I, I wish it was plus money, but it is what it is. You got it close enough. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Rangers on the on the puck line there. Very emotional game against Calgary on Monday that watch, which was unexpected. And I, I fully do not expect Vancouver to have any emotion because their season is, is over and has been for a while. So we'll go with the Rangers on the puck line and. I like this Jake Ottinger line for the saves. It's actually meant to say over. I clicked the wrong button. Clearly, it does say under. Do not bet the under. But he made 32 against Anaheim the other day. I know Dallas isn't like... They do kind of keep the shots low, but Minnesota has some offense in them. They're obviously one of the good team's divisional matchups. So I kind of like that. It's a low number for a goaltender. Yeah, that's really low, actually, considering mm-hmm. the Wild. They're a decent team. I love that Rangers bet. I'm tailing you on the Ottinger one as well. Tyler Mulek is chatting about Taylor Radish a little bit. Okay, the guy oh. has 25 goals in 123 career NHL games. He's also shooting 18.2% today, and he's playing a lot in Chicago, which, again, we talked about this with a guy like Nick Bukestad, not comparing them at all, obviously, but when you play a ton on a bad team, like, someone's got to get the offense at some point, right? He's all, he's shooting 18.2% there. And there's a lot more with that trade. I, I just, my point was Radish and Kachuk were not really guys who had mm. a lot of value around the league at the time. We'll kind of, kind of park that right there. Exactly. Um, you guys are fired up in the chat right now. Kale says Duncan Keith and Vinny DeHarnay would have been a nasty pairing. Yeah, actually, I kind of agree with that. That would have been a really, really mean duo there. Uh, the Oilers are back in action tomorrow as they stay on the road. They're taking on the Philadelphia Flyers. And I don't know if uh, I don't know if you noticed this the other day, Liam, but they put out a statement, the Flyers, from their head coach, John Tortorella, who basically came out and said, we're not where we thought we'd be. This season's not going very well. It's a... Uh, just a building year. And I thought that was weird because one, it comes at a time when they're actually playing some, they were at least playing some decent hockey. They went on a stretch where they won eight of their last 10. The Flyers looked good. And I mean, I get it. They got to jump a lot of teams, but they are also only eight points out of a playoff spot right now, which is a long ways. I get it. But to put out a statement saying you're basically throwing in the flag on your season and then the Flyers come out and are like, hey, we're refunding season ticket holders for home games in April, and you can roll that into credit for next year. It's a weird moment for that organization to just be like a month before the trade deadline, like, yeah, we're done. Good work. Sorry, later. everybody. Yeah, I don't know. It just, I, I kind of get it in, this, in one sense, like send a letter out being like, apologize and I guess, but like it feels very early to be still doing that. Like you said, like well, then they haven't even passed the trade deadline yet. Like who knows? Maybe you go on a bit of a run here. They're all, they're not too far out of a playoff spot, right? E, I mean, they're eight points out. Like they're obviously not making the playoffs, yeah. but you also would just think that, like, why send that message now? Like, I mean, the Islanders, for example, just went and added 
And the Flyers, if they were to win their games in hand, would be four points back of the New York Islanders. Like, I get it again. Like, it's just, I just felt like the, I feel like the vibes in Philly are really, really off this year. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a very strange year. Is that the, is that the Tortorella effect maybe kicking in yeah, in maybe. Philadelphia already? But yeah, it, it, it's odd. And um, I'll be very curious to what they do with the deadline. It feels like there's been so many players from there that have been linked to places like James Van Riemsdyk is basically gone by the sounds of it yeah. uh even like travis konechny has been linked places i know he has some time left on his deal but people have been saying how like oh well maybe just get rid of him now because you ain't going to be good whilst he's there so and then obviously the pro stuff but the fact he's been linked away too like i think they're one of the more intriguing teams around the nhl in literally every single aspect of it yeah uh, we'll chat a little bit tomorrow about maybe some players on the Flyers who could end up being deadline targets for the Edmonton Oilers and a few other things like that. Uh, big game day tomorrow. Short for it. Giant game day tomorrow. Uh, that's going to be a wrap on today's edition of the show. Shout out to our friends at Betway. Again, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Frank Saravalli and Star Mechanical. Also Montana's and Sports Closet. The chat, you guys were... Uh, <laughs> You guys were interesting today. It's uh, it's get it's yep. gonna be like that for the rest of the month. Everyone's fired up. Everybody wants the Oilers to go make the exact right move that they're hoping for before the deadline. It's gonna be a fun month, so make sure you don't miss a show. We're also available as a podcast if you do happen to miss one. But we're live every day right here on the Nation Network mm-hmm. YouTube at noon Mountain Time. Thanks for tuning in today, everybody. We'll chat tomorrow. 